Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and we've got a special show for you today. It's so exciting for me because it's a topic near and dear to my heart. We are going to be talking with Tamson Fidel and she is an Emmy Award winning journalist. She's a producer and author. She also anchors at WPIX New York, the 5, 6 and 10 p.m. news. So she's a busy lady, Linda. <laughs> oh, absolutely she is. And she's a terrific lady. You know, she works with us for Shining Service, too, so she's got a big heart and um, and a beautiful face to go with it. Well, yeah, and that's one of the things is, you know, she in her book, she's written three books. You know, Why Hasn't He Proposed, the new single, I'm sorry, two books. And she talks about empowerment and breakup after a divorce. And, you know, when I look at her, she's everything that women want to be. She's successful. She's accomplished. She's attractive. And from her writing, you know, I'm just going to get to meet Tamsin today. She's as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. And that's, I think, what we all aspire to be, the whole package. And Tamsin, I know that this is probably not, you know, the most flattering thing to say, but I'm a little happy that you went through this process because if somebody like you could go through this process and be divorced, and I'm just going to say it the way it is, have the humiliation, the drama, all the things that go with it, and then come out shining like a rock star, writing a book and leading us out into the darkness. Thank you. Because that's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) You're kind. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It was, you know, there, you know, and um, all of us do because we go through life changes, period, whether it's a divorce, whether it's, uh, you know, starting over in a career, uh, you know, losing a friend. I think that, you know, we have those periods where, wow, we don't want anybody else to see us. You want to close the door to your house and uh, and not come out again for a while till it all goes away. And I and I had those times, you know, and I, um, you know, I, I think what got me through it were some real practical solutions that didn't seem like I could find them in any of the traditional dating books that, you know, were about uh, what to do, how to get back out there, because my goal wasn't to get back out there and date. My goal was to get back out there and figure out who I was, uh, you know, when the when the record stopped spinning, uh, like you said. And, and um, yeah, so it's been a learning process. There's no question about it, but I've, I've heard from so many women and men that have gone through and felt the same thing. So it's, it's kind of nice now, you know, when I was writing it, I was alone, and uh, now I'm hearing from so many people that... We're going through something very, very similar. Tamsin, um, after reading the book, which I did, uh, how much of your identity do you feel was connected to your husband, you know, like being a couple and not being an individual? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think that a lot of it was because we were working together and, uh, you know, we ran a matchmaking business in New York city, ironically. And, uh, and so we were working together all the time and we were, you know, the, the, we were originally were working out of our apartment when the business first started before, you know, we moved to a, you know, to an office space. Uh, so a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being us and not me and not, uh, you know, I, so definitely more than I realized until it was over. Well, and Tamsin, I'm going to support you 100% on that because I, too, ran a business with my ex-husband. And there was so much crossover. There was, like, professional, you know, affiliation crossover. Then he was my friend. Then he was my husband. And it was really almost surreal to dismantle these parts because at certain 
parts of our relationship personally or professionally, the line was blurred because sure. you know, we had, my husband and I had been together 10 years and we had dated for, you know, 15, we had two kids. So there was a little blurring between where I ended and he began and it wasn't unhealthy. It wasn't like sick, crazy blurring, but it was where am I ending and where is he beginning when you have to cut it apart like a piece of fabric that was glued together? Yeah, there's no question about it. And it uh, it makes it even more confusing. And I think it, you know, when you do have those things mixed, you know, with each other, and a lot of people do in this day and age, especially a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and starting businesses together as a second business. Um, it's very difficult. And I think it makes the process last longer of, you know, tw you know even to this day, we, we both have a lot of professional overlap in terms of the people that we know and the people that we met when we first came to New York and, uh, you know, and, and who we've, we've worked worked with. So uh, that makes it difficult. You know, I, I didn't want to be somebody who was bitter on the outside of it. I didn't want the book to come across as somebody who was angry. I think that that's why it was more uh, practical. You know, I, I'm a journalist. And so everything to me is very practical. And that's kind of what this, this book was. It's why there are a lot of different interviews in it with different experts, because I don't propose to have uh, all, you know, all the advice in the world, but I know what worked for me. And I was hoping if I, you know, shared a little bit of it, it would, it would resonate with other people. And I, I, um, I'm excited to say, I think, I think it is. You know, it's, it's when you talk about relationships and, and everybody does, um, people always talk about compromise. Well, you've got to compromise sure. this and compromise that. So, but it's, a, it gets to be a very blurry line where compromise turns into resentment oh, you know, I have to give up too much for that. So it was compromise. Now it's resentment. Um, did you feel that? Um, and, and how did, did you know then it was sort of coming to the end? Is that, is that how it happens? Yeah, I think um, some of it was compromise. Other things were, you know, I think you you grow in different directions, and we definitely did that. And some of it were goals. You know, some our goals are, were turning out to be a little bit different as we move forward and as we got older and what we both wanted. And so um, I think that more than resentment, I think I felt a, um, I, I think I felt that uh, in terms of compromise, I was okay with doing the compromise as long as we were both doing it. And um, at some point, I, my father had told me a long time ago, it's better to be alone than lonely with someone. And at some point, I felt very alone and lonely in the process of my, my marriage and my life. And I went, oh, that's... I finally understand what he's talking about, unfortunately. And, you know, that is when I realized, like, uh, you know, I think we're moving in a different direction and uh, moving moving on from each other. Because well, you're so about, oh, oh ahead, so Linda. sorry. I just wanted to add, ask one more thing, and then, Stan, mm -hmm. you can take it over. Um, because you're so successful and you're in the public eye and people see you on TV every day, do you think there was any jealousy um, involved in, in the breakup? Um, because, you know, you, you know, you are, like... <laughs> you are the one that people see all the time and um and and recognize well, I think, uh, you know, for a long time he was, he was doing a lot, uh, in the, you know, in the public arena as well because he, you know, he was matchmaking and, and going on a lot of the, the big shows and, you know, talking about us openly as, which is what we, we had both, uh, you know, we both knew would happen, uh, you know, through, through the course of the marriage because when you're giving relationship advice, people are asking, well, what's going on with your relationship? Um, so I don't know that there was jealousy. I think there was, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I hope not because I think that we were both working for each other. You know, I, I worked very hard to make him successful and I, and I hope that, you know, I hope that he did the same. Um, I think there always might be a little bit of it because we have ebb and flows in our career, obviously. And there were times that, you know, I would be up and he would be down and he would be down and I would be up. And so I hope that that, you know, wasn't part of, you know, the, the reason I, I think it was really more because we wound up having different goals, you know, in the end and we were going in two different directions and that, that can't work. And if the communication was not there fully, um, and, uh, and, and you want, you want different things out of it. It's just not going to happen eventually. You know, it will come to an end if you're being honest with yourself. I mean, could we have gone through and continued working together and continued, uh, an unhappy marriage? I guess so, but it just didn't make sense to me. And I think that we did everything we could to, uh, you know, do the right things to make sure that it was time from, uh, 
separating for for almost a year or two therapy you know i i don't make any um i don't hide the fact that that was a big part of it you know we went to a therapist and really tried to work it out and did all the things that they you know they tell you to do so it wasn't an easy decision to uh to say goodbye for sure well and tamson i'm just going to chime in you know Mm -hmm. because i feel like we're like soul sisters with this (laughs) stuff and you know one of the things that i hear from you saying is like you know you did take your time you did exhaust every resource and that's what i tell people you know people listening to you might be contemplating divorce if you want to divorce in peace and i'm going to ask you know how you feel about this tamson i decided i was going to exhaust every resource not financially but every resource i had from from therapists to counselors to coaches to you know marriage boot camps you know all these different things to try to make what couldn't work work so that when I did file I could walk away in peace knowing that I did my best that was really important to me I want to know how you feel about that strategy yeah I I, um I I absolutely agree with it actually and I did it because I, I do that in every part I want to make sure I've exhausted everything. So I know that when I go, it was, I don't look back and say, should I, could I, would I have done it differently? And, um, and I did do that. You know, we, it's, it, listen, going to a therapist was not an easy decision. It's the first step to admitting something's wrong and embarrassing. And, you know, and it was difficult, uh, you know, to, to start there and go, oh, wow, we're sitting in a therapist's office now. And, uh, you know, now have a third party trying to figure out what's wrong with us. So, you know, I did the same thing. I, you know, we, we went to every, you know, everything that we could do, I think, um, you know, during the course of the separation, you know, there was a lot of publicity too. And that was, that was something that was hard. And there was a lot of resentment, uh, you know, during the actual, um, you know, uh, breakup, separation, divorce, once it became public, but we spent a long time not, you know, not, not talking about it openly because I wanted to, you know, exhaust all those things and make sure it was okay. And, um, I guess, and also make sure we weren't getting too many opinions that were just, um, you know, friendly opinions of people trying to help because, you know, when you ask people too close to you, sometimes that's a problem too. Uh, they want you to be happy and they, they would say anything for you to be happy. And I realized that we had to kind of get impartial people involved, um, you know, to figure out next steps. Well, and it's very private, you know, what goes on between the two of you, like I've, I learned this with close family and friends, everybody has their own perception, their own point of view, and well-meaning advice from family and friends can be really painful, it can be really damaging if you do work it out and get back together, you know, it's it's tough, it's a it's a really tough, uh, you know, road to, to walk down. I want to talk a little bit about, because Powered Up is a lot about, you know, Powered Up, Successful, Energized women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and we are accomplished, and so when we fail at something, and it was a hard time for me, because I used to tell people I was recycled, not divorced, because the word divorce was such an ugly, yeah, I recycled, it's an ugly word, and it has ugly connotation, and your very public breakup um, you know, people might look at your book and go, oh, well, you know, she's a New York socialite, she's got, you know, this great career, and she had a blah, 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 but I will tell you, because I'm a small town girl, that whether you have a public breakup, whatever your public is, is your public breakup. Like for me, it was public at the elementary school. It was public at the preschool. It was public at, you know, my house of worship. It was public at my soccer games. You know, it was all over the place and it was flagrant and ugly and, 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 and humiliating like to the nth degree and so embarrassing and mortifying on so many different levels. And you have to rise up and overcome it. And that for me was one of the hardest things, Tamsin, because there was a part of me that just wanted to like go in the corner and lick my wounds. And, you know, um, when you've prided yourself on excellence and you have a public failure, I think that's where you grow the most. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, I, I've, uh, I spent a years, almost 20 years now in, in front of the camera and, um, and, you know, when you do that, you are telling other people's stories and you're, um, you're, you know, bringing the news and you're bringing facts of the day. And there are, there are emotions involved when you're on an emotional story or you're, you know, talking to somebody that really strikes a chord in your heart. But when you're talking about your own story, um, then things are, are different and, that was very difficult. I 
again, for a long time, we didn't talk about it. And so people didn't know I, I had lost weight at one point cause I was, you know, stressed out and I was scared and there were finances involved that were, you know, um, you know, very getting very, very stressful. And somebody said, uh, are you trying to have a baby and you're upset because you're over 40 and you haven't had a baby yet? It was somebody I, uh, was friendly with. And I said, no, I, no, that's not it at all. So I thought, wow, like, um, I'm embarrassed by what I'm going through. I, I feel uh, like I don't want anyone to know ashamed and I want it to go away. And, you know, when it hit the papers, even even more so, obviously, that um, I went, oh, I don't know. Every day I didn't know how to get through that next day. And I talk about it a little bit in the book because it's, you know, again, these are not just divorce. It's, it's life challenges. Like you lose a job and you feel the same way. And, um, and, and maybe there's not so much emotion obviously involved in it, but it still can be devastating. There are losses in life that can be devastating. And I found that really practical get through the day. I, I remember at one point I was making a list, like get up 6 a.m., you know, <laughs> feed the dog 6, 15 a.m., you know, go to gym. And I thought, well, I can't believe that, that my life has been relegated to a list of just functioning in the morning, but it, it had. And in retrospect, those are the things that got me through is just is really buckling down and realizing that I had to stand still first before anything, because obviously you want to run away from your situation. Right. Uh, I had to stand still, uh, face it, survey what it was, survey how it was going to best serve me, figure out how it wasn't going to affect every area of my life and um, and go from there. Because I, I think that, you know, you had said earlier, failure that was a big word in my head. You know, I thought, Oh gosh, my marriage failed. Uh, I don't have children. You know, the finances are not great because it's very difficult when you're now paying for two, you know, two households, two incomes, dividing a business apart. And, um, you know, and then I was afraid for my career because everything was out there so much. And because I was, uh, you know, concentrating on when we were going to meet the mediator next and when we were going to talk to the therapist next. So there's a lot of fear, I think, that goes along with all of it. And, uh, yeah, that embarrassment is, is one big chunk. I, you know, even though I haven't gone through divorce, I can relate to it because we talked to, you talked about, you know, when you lose a job. I remember when I left Wall Street, um, I was really, I was afraid and I was ashamed because all of a sudden I had worked since I was 19 years old and here I was. I didn't have a job. I was, I was embarrassed to walk by my doorman in the morning. You think, why, why isn't sure. she working? What's going on? Sure. And, you know, it's horrible. So in, in your book, you know, you kind of divide the two years since your divorce into segments. In the first 90 days where you said, yeah, the list, I get up. You know, it looks and go. You know, go to work, go to the gym. It looks like you and your dog were you. You know, the best pals during that time. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and then what I really like, um, you said you went to. I guess it was a an industry event, and you came across this guy who you weren't particularly fond of. Um, but he came over to you. He gave you the biggest hug, and he said. <laughs> 365 days from today, things will be very different. And yeah. I love that because, boy, is that true. Uh, and, you, and it really touched your heart, too. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, I, um, you know, that was uh, one of the first days that I was, was back out at, a, at an event and didn't really want to be there. And it was one that I needed to go to and I'd already committed to. And I walked in and, you know, it's always the, the first person that you see that, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to see that person and he's standing right in front of you. And so I went, oh, no. And he had read about everything. And I thought, you know, I, you know, I was thinking like, okay, I'm just going to get through this, you know, walk over, get something to drink, get, you know, say hello and leave, make sure everyone sees me that I need to see and leave. And, you know, he's the first person that I saw and he didn't say a word. He just put his arms out, his big guy, uh, put his arms out and he said, it's not going to be like this 365 days from now. And I thought, what in the world? I, I don't want it to be like this five seconds from now. But, um, but I really, after I sat back and, and realized what he had said, and, you know, 90 days later, it was different. And 180 days later, it was different. And when I realized uh, he was right, and I realized that's how I have to start looking at things, that, you know, it's not like it is today. And I can't, somebody said, what's the, you know, one piece of advice to take out of your, you know, to take out of your book if somebody's going to take a, one thing away? I don't know if there's one thing, but I do know this, that where we are right now is not where we're going to be next week or next year. And if you can kind of get through that process, and that's what this book is for, then um, you'll be in a better place. And that's why I divided it up into 90-day increments. And uh, it was important to me to kind of be strategic about it. And in my own life, 
life, it felt like when I looked back, that's kind of where I felt differences, different, different waves, 90 days at a time. Okay. Cleaned out the bedroom and kind of, uh, you know, got rid of, you know, us. And now it's back to me. Okay. 90 more days at a time. Uh, where are we with regard to my job? 90 more days at a time. Do we get some more of those bills paid off? So it felt like that that's, you know, kind of the, the pace that I was going at and you know, people might have their own, but that's what worked for me and, and how I wrote the book. Well, and I think I'm going to chime in here again, because the 90 day thing works for so many things like, mm -hmm. you know, for people listening today who are going through this process or contemplating going through the divorce process and you have children, it's like when you have a baby, you know, this thing pops out, you know, Tamsin and Linda, and I won't <laughs> say I'm winning any parenting awards here, but you're <laughs> like, oh my God. God, like, what the hell do I do with it now? That was my mm -hmm, response. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, you know, you mothers are like, oh, look at my baby. I'm like, ah, don't give it to me. Um, <laughs> but like 30 days into it, I was like, hey, I can diaper. I can get this yeah. thing to bed. I can feed it. Like, it's alive. I did that. Yeah. It's still yeah. alive. And then three months, like six months, you know, there's all those, you know, child development benchmark things. Well, leaving your marriage has those same developmental benchmarks. And I think that's what you're talking about here, Tamsin, because, you know, at, at one month out from filing my divorce, you know, when I went into file, I had both my kids, a three month old, a three year, uh, almost three year old. I'm pushing yeah. my stroller in Cheerios are flying all over this beautiful yeah. law office, you know, complete train wreck. And I was shaking and frightened. I mean, here's me, an MBA, you know, successful woman, frightened sure. to death to talk to an attorney. And I talk to attorneys all day long. Now, like five years later, I blow into the attorney's office like, hey, how you doing? Hug, hug, you know, talk, talk, yep. talk. You get better at it. And that's that 90 day thing. Like when you talk about like the one thing, like the advice, like when I look at your book and look what you've created, the one big thing that I take away from it is, you know what? You're going to get better at it. You know, day no one, question. day 30, day 90, day 60, you're going to get better at it. You're going to master this. And you really do. Yeah, you really do. It's, it's interesting. It's, uh, you, and you, again, you don't realize you're going to be able to. And, um, and then once you really are able to do that and you get past that next hurdle and get past that next hurdle, you know, I mean, as those things grow you, they just grow you. And, um, and, and that's, you know, that's where I was and that's where so many people have been and will be. And, um, you know, and I hope they're able to find even one or two nuggets in the book that, that helps them as they, as they, as they move forward, you know, if they're unfortunately going to go through a process like this. Well, I think a change. lot of people, oh, I ahead, think Linda. a lot of people, both men and women, um, you know, the, the fear of being alone is just, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, even when you're feeling alone, when you're in a relationship, it feels like there's somebody there to catch you, even if, if you're only, if they're really not. But, you know, when you're, you know, separated, divorced, then you, you know, you really are standing alone. So you might do things that you wouldn't normally do. I know in the book you said, you know, after the divorce, and I don't know if it was in the first 90 days or the next 90 days, that you started going out um, with an old boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the, it was the next, it was about, um, it was close to six months in maybe. Yeah. I started, I, I went out with somebody that I had dated in the past and that was, you know, just the, that person that I thought was going to be, you know, it, he was all a little older than me, kind of grew me in a lot of ways. The person that, you know, introduces you to the wine and the, you know, and the traveling and all those kind of things. And, uh, I did that and I was not ready for that, you know, and I was, uh, willing to do a lot just to make that work, just to, maybe just to be with somebody or maybe just because it felt comfortable and familiar. And, um, and I didn't really know who I was again. And then I was kind of morphing into who he was. And I realized like, wow, I am, I am actually, this is, this is not, not a good thing. And I, uh, I, I write in the book and I, I don't know, it, it came to me one day when I was, I was sitting talking to a friend and I said, you know, I have a bad habit of turning red flags into pink ones. And she said, that's kind of funny. And I said, and then I thought, it kind of is, but it's kind of not like, that's actually what I'm doing. Like anytime I see a red flag with a person or a guy and I would change it and I'd be like, Oh, it's not that bad. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have any money, but it's cause he gave it all away. And it's, I would always change it to be just a little bit nicer than what the actual facts were. And I realized that that's what I was doing with, you know, the person that I had been with before. And there was a reason that it had not worked out before and it was not going to work out again. And, um, and that's when we had to, you know, to go our separate ways, but 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You, it's hard not to have that safety net, right? Of a, of another person, just absolutely. You know, to come home to and say, like, look, I, I had a bad day. So well, and I'm going to even... I'm going to use your red flag and pink flag. I really like that because that's not uh-huh. only in in relationship. That's in life, and even in business, you meet somebody and, and a flag goes up, and you say, well, but you know, he can further my career, or he's sure. he can teach me, or he can do this. And inevitably, if you don't follow your gut, it 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 doesn't work out in the end. Yeah, no question about it. I've, I've learned that, uh, you know, way too many times, especially in a place like New York where you meet so many different people. And so, you know, people come at you here sometimes with like a, you know, resume. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm writing another book. Uh, I've got another television show in the works and I, you know, and you go, Oh, wow. These people are so, so, um, yeah, I have learned to try to listen to my gut more and more with anything, uh, I do. And I, that's why I think a lot of the lessons that I, that I wrote down apply across the board and I've, I've heard from a lot of people, interestingly enough, um, you know, there were different bloggers that, that read the book to review and a lot of them were married and hadn't gone through a divorce yet and said, Hey, I, I could use some of these for other re- other, other ways too. Uh, this is not just if you've gone through a breakup. So I, I appreciate that, uh, because there are a lot of great experts that I have, I was so fortunate to have, uh, be a part of the book. Well, and so much of it, Tamsin, as you go through your 30, 60, 90 days, 180 days, whatever, post-divorce, is about trying on to see what feels right. Try Because what, what might work month one, like I chose to, to get my power back by doing Israeli martial arts. I studied Krav Maga for two years. It helped me get my mojo. Wow, that's me great. Feel powerful. Now, when at the time I was making the decision between yoga and Krav Maga couldn't have two right. different things. And the yoga drove me bananas. Like I, <laughs> I fell over. I was so competitive. Right. I had so much like, ah, you know, in me, right. but right. Pun- punching and kicking and screaming and knocking people down really worked for me. Now <laughs> I can, <laughs> now I can do yoga and, and enjoy it. So, you know, I want to make sure that people listening today know that different things are going to work for you at different times. And I wanted to share with you, Tamsin, because I'm just a little redneck at heart. And when I first so got I'm from Texas originally, so. Uh, okay. All right. So you're going to love this. So my great aunt told me when I got divorced, she said, you know, honey, when a curtain falls down before you put the curtain back up, why don't you look out the window? And I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, because so much of the time when when something happens, we immediately want to replace it. We really want to fix it. It's like, sure. that's why, like, I went out with this, you know, hot 20-something guy immediately upon my divorce because I was going to fix it. I was going to put everything back together and da 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 Then I'm like, oh, no, you're not, this is not right. working. Right. I put the curtain back up before I even looked out the window and thought maybe it didn't need a curtain. And thank God for Linda Franklin, because she had to listen to me talk about the commander, talk about the young guy, talk about, you know, the, the alcoholic, like, you know, I, I, I ran the gamut there for a while. And, yes, you know, we all, I kept... have our, we all have our list of them. Yeah. And that's just what we do, but it's okay to look out the window. It's okay not to put the curtain back up. Right. I agree with you completely. I love that analogy. Who said that? Your aunt? By great aunt, yeah. Ah, I love it. I love it. It's really, uh, it's great. It's great. And it's, and, and it's true. I, I think that, uh, you know, I did the same thing. I did the same thing because I ran back to somebody that I had known before that just felt safe. And um, so it, it is smart to take that time. And, I, you know, the first part of the book, uh, somebody said, you know, what does that mean, stand still? And I said, well, sometimes we're running we're running to get away from whatever it is and we never you know and we're going so fast we don't see really where we are and then we make another toxic mix misstep and I think that that's what I'm trying to uh you know trying to avoid you know myself and for other people is to continue to make those same mistakes over and over because then you you know you're three years down the line and you're remarried to the same person you were married to before with a different name and uh and that's not where you want to be. No, absolutely not. And I've heard that from so many, from so many people, mostly men. Yeah. You know, there was one guy that was married three times and he said, you know, he looked in the mirror and he said, you know what? I'm, I must be nuts. All of the, they have different names, but they're the same woman. It's, you know, sure. I, I must, sure. I must be crazy. You know, I'll tell you, um, it happens though. It does happen. There's no question. It always about. does. Unless you change yourself in the process. I mean, you're going to keep going after the, the, the same people. Right. Um, 
you said something in the book that sort of resonated uh, to me from my real cougar woman days because you said that you had you know you you started going out with older men, but then you you kind of um, made a switch, and now you think that younger men um, are you know. They're okay to go out with. They might even be more fun, you know. You know, it, yeah, it was at the time I, I uh, you know, I'd always thought like uh, older, 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 more mature, more mature. I lost my mom when I was very young. I think I I skipped a lot of my childhood. And um, so I always thought that uh, somebody older, you know, just mentally was better for me. And then I, um, you know, I've gone out with a couple of guys that were younger, you know, not terribly younger, but younger. And uh, something I would never normally do, and I went, you know what? You can you, you can take things from different people, and that's that's okay. Like that's okay. Um, you know, maybe you're in a place where that's what you need right now. Maybe you need to have fun. Uh, maybe there's somebody that's going to add to your life, and they don't have to fit into this box. Uh, because I, you know, again, even the book written very organized, and so I'm a very organized person, and I've had to let go of some of that to, uh, you know, to try to see what life is really about instead of always have a plan. And that's, that's been one of my hardest lessons. I, you know, I had a plan. I was married. I was, we were going forward with our career business. And then all of a sudden, you know, like something's changed. And, uh, yeah. So, well, I'm going to chime in on the younger man experience, because I think whenever you get divorced, at least initially you should date a younger guy. And for a couple different reasons, <laughs> and I'm just going to give them to you right now. Okay. Cause okay. this was my thing. One of the things younger guys do is they look to the future, whereas a lot of the older guys start looking to the past. You know, they talk about their past accomplishments, past achievements. Well, you don't want to go into your past because it's painful right now. So it's sure. relieving to be with somebody younger who's looking forward to the future, looking forward to doing this, doing that. That's one of the things young men and women, you know, do. Mm -hmm. So it's very comforting to be around them. They're like, less apt to sit there and complain about the stock market and all these negative <laughs> know, things. Right? Yeah. And then they laugh more, you know, cause I've been single a lot longer than you have Tamsin. I'm going on seven years since I filed for divorce, five years single, you know, and I've been in and out of relationships, but, um, they laugh more. You know, if you go out with an older guy, the likelihood that he will laugh out loud, like unless you take your top off, dance around and, you know, spin for him and make him <laughs> laugh. They just, that, joyfulness is missing and you really need extra joy coming into your life because you're not, you know, kind of filled with joy. And the last one, because I gave a guy a heart attack is they don't break as easily as the older ones. Literally gave him a heart attack. Yeah, I was, oh. we were hiking. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that's horrible. <laughs> I'm physically active and I, Linda knows the story. And I was like, let's go windsurfing. Let's go hiking. Let's do this. Let's do that. And he's like, okay. So we went on this like long beach hike. We went windsurfing and then we were going up these beach steps in Malibu, like, you know, two flights of stairs. He's turning gray. He's turning white. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then I made a crack. I'm like, yeah, I could have a heart attack on me. Are you? Oh. He went to the hospital that night. So... Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. He's so, he's so, sorry. so he wasn't ancient, but you know, it's just kind of, you got to look at what you need at the time you're in the recovery process. I agree with that. Yeah. There's no question about it. And, um, I think that, you know, when, when you're honest with your, look, it's not easy to be honest with yourself, right? It's not easy to be alone with your thoughts. That's why a lot of times people that are going through something like this don't want to be alone and they want to be with people because to think can sometimes be difficult. Uh, and, so I think you have to be honest with, with what you want and what you need at the time. And I'll tell you, I was completely caught off guard because I thought I call him the professor in the book just because it's, it's easier than, you know, uh, using a name, but he always had kind of taught me uh, so much in life. And, uh, and I realized, oh, wow, other people can be the professor too. Uh, not just him. He's not the only one out there that knows how to drink wine and travel. So that was kind of a nice lesson for me to learn. And you don't need Gilligan either. You can have the and professor or the Gilligan. skipper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's another thing that I really liked in the book, and it's on page 143. And you say, don't make a new man your bestie. You know, keep your boundaries intact. Now, I agree with that because, I mean, it's not only in relationships, but at work, at everything, I think 
too many people tell too much of their life stories to people, and then it comes back to smack them in the head. Has that happened to you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this one, I, I was able to keep a lot of it out of the workplace, and that was super, super important to me. But the reason I did is because I'd already learned that lesson in the past. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, some people have not liked that line about not making a man your best friend. And somebody wrote to me and said, I, I like your book, but I didn't like the fact that, you know, you know, my, my husband's my best friend. Uh, and I, I don't know that I mean that when you're 20 years into the marriage, but I think that, you know, if you're initially going out with somebody, he does not need to be your confidant. If you're trying to figure out what next steps are with them, you know, I, I think that you need to, you know, continue to figure out who you are until you're sure that that's somebody you're going to spend a considerable amount of time with and uh, decide that that's the one, because I don't know that that really works. I, I think that you need to see who you are, figure out who you are, use your girlfriends in that way. Uh, but I don't think, you know, a lot, a lot of guys don't want that either. They don't want moms. They don't want best friends. You know, they're looking to see if they're going to be with you for the long term or not, if they're looking for a relationship. Well, and, you know, Tamsin, I'm just going to come in with some more redneck advice. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this one is a little tribute to my mom. Because when I was going through a lot of this stuff, I was almost like a ping pong ball, you know, going like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I? Because I'm a mm -hmm. fixer. I'm going to fix it, fix it, put it mm -hmm. all back together, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, girl, sit your fanny down. And I was like, and do what? And she's like, sit, sit with it, be with it, you know, yeah. just it, it was the weirdest thing that what I needed to do was at some points, nothing. Be still. You know what I mean? Yep. It must be still like sit with it and go, wow, I feel bad. Wow. I feel sad. Wow. I feel angry. Wow. I feel excited because you're going to have this huge gamut of emotions, you know, like the first date that you have after your divorce, I got my feet tangled in my backpack purse, my little Gucci backpack purse. And I wiped out in the middle of Ventura Boulevard, like Aww. dirt on my knees and I started to laugh and I'm like, you know what? That is what it is. So, yep. um, it is what it is. And so you're going to go through all these emotions and if you sit with them, they're going to pass a lot quicker than if you stuff them down. They, you know, yeah. And, and they're not so bad once they pass, they're not so bad while they're passing. You know, I think sometimes we, uh, you, you've ever had something where you just dread it. You're like, Oh, I can't, I just can't do it. And you finally do it. And it just wasn't so bad. And, um, you know, it wasn't as big of a deal as, as you thought it was going to be going somewhere or doing something or having a conversation or making a phone call. And I think that, uh, you know, that, that is exactly the same way. Like once you actually get through that, you know, first of all, you're on the heel and you know, you're, you're moving up after that. And, uh, you know, and second, I think that, you know, we, we anticipate and we fear things, you know, a lot more than, than we should. And I now cherish that time that I used to dread. I used to dread that time of being alone and dread the time of shutting the door and having nobody to talk to. I would, my phone bill, I can't even imagine like, you know, if they were still charging for cell minutes versus an unlimited plan of the, I would have to have people on the phone with me 24 seven. Cause I didn't want to hear my thoughts in my head. And I would, my girlfriend would call me every morning. She'd be like, Are you okay? And I would keep this poor girl on the phone for like I can't believe she even speaks to me still, but, um, you know, she's my best friend and she would call every morning to make sure I was okay. And it was just, I couldn't, I didn't want her to be off the phone. Like I couldn't deal with being by myself with my own thoughts. So yeah, absolutely agree. Sitting there and being still and doing nothing is, you know, sometimes the, the best medicine. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta slow down enough to find out what works for you. I want to let people know where they can buy your book, let you guys sure. know that there is an electronic Kindle version because they have a huge international following. There's a paperback version. You can get it on Amazon and get it where any books are sold. There's also an audio CD uh, for those of you that, you know, want to listen to this um, in your car on the treadmill, because I agree with you, Tamsin. I agree with what, what um, some of the people said. There's a lot of stuff in here that's good for lots of things like it a lot of these work for grief you know like if you you lose a loved one and it doesn't have to be your spouse or your significant other it can be your mom or your dad or your sister the process of grief is the same and there's grief associated with divorce and I want to ask you because I've got some girlfriends that I'm kind of coaching through their first divorce um, right now and one of the things I said to both of them was that it's like a bubble or a balloon that's about to pop 
and it pops when you admit to filing divorce or you file for divorce, you get to that point and it's so expansive. Like it feels like pressure building, pressure building, pressure building. And to me, when you finally throw up the white flag or you say, okay, I want a divorce or you talk to your spouse about, okay, we need to go through the divorce process. It seems to let the air out of a lot of things. And yes, there are new troubles and new choices and decisions to be made after, but nothing is worse up to that point that you realize you it's over or it's done. It's almost like a blister or, or an infection or some, you know, thing that that's just building. And then all of a sudden it like, cause I always tell people the worst is the two minutes up to you finally agree to the divorce or you finally ask for the divorce after that it's tough, but it's not that high, high, I, I don't know what the word is. Did you feel the same way that it just was expanding and then it, you let the air out of it when you finally made a decision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, we didn't make a decision for a long time cause we didn't want to. And then once, um, I had made the decision, it was, it, then he, you know, didn't, didn't want that. And so it was very just, it was exhausting actually. And, um, because I didn't know, you know, I couldn't start picturing, you can't go forward, right. Until you get through that area of, of, you know, which road you're going to take. You can't just sit there forever. And so, yeah, I did. And I, um, and I guess once a decision was made, it was, you know, I, I remember the moments that, you know, we, we, uh, I filed and, and I remember going, Oh gosh, it just like, it was awful. And then I woke up the next morning and I was still alive, you know, and I was still on earth and I still got my, you know, my feet out of bed and I still made my coffee my, you know, so I, um, yeah, it's, it's hard and it does kind of, it just kind of swell up like you, you described, uh, you know, until that moment that you're able to, you know, let it, let it go and it kind of pops and, and then you begin the healing process. Yeah, I think it's important that we, if I had known what the process was, like when my mom was, was in hospice, the hospice nurses and the doctors told us exactly what to expect. Like it wouldn't know which day things would sure. happen, but we knew, and it wasn't so frightening. And for me, you know, divorce was frightening because I was the first one in my family to get divorced. And there were so many little hills to climb, you know, whether they were internal or external, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it was, there were all these little things and a book like yours can really help at least open the dialogue of what to ask because Tamson you'll love this when I went to my first counselor after my divorce my single girl counselor you know could put me mm -hmm, back together of course she says okay you're going to need to take better care of yourself and you know what I was stumped yeah. Because I had been taking care of my kids, taking care of my husband, taking care of the business, blah, 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 blah. I had no idea what self-care was. Now I got a laundry list. But at the time, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't. And I, and I was, I think I wrote one of the lines is like, you wouldn't expect to find juice recipes in a, in a, in a post-divorce book, post-breakup book. But you know, there are things, really practical things that you need to do to take care of yourself. Because quite frankly, regardless and across the board, you're not going to be able to help anybody else until you first start taking care of yourself. There's, there's just no way. And, uh, and that's what I learned. I learned that I couldn't take care of, of anything. If I was losing weight, my hair was starting to fall out. It was breaking up. I remember the, uh, you know, I, uh, the person that does my hair and she hadn't seen me in a while. And, and she said to me, what, what's going on with you? you just, your hair is like dead and dry and you just, and I thought, I thought I'm going through a divorce. And, and I realized, you know, I'm not taking care of myself is what really the answer was. And cause I just kind of hated myself overall. And so, um, so yeah, it's just, it's critical. And that's why I, I guess I, I dared put those weird things in there because I thought it was super, super important. Well, that the, I did the juicing thing too. And I, you know, I changed a lot of things because when you have time, cause now you're single, <laughs> when sure. you have time, you can make yourself, you know, the project. And that's what I did. I'm like, I became one of my own projects. I'm like, I got here for a reason. So I'm not going to do the same thing, get the same results. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do things differently. And that required me to make myself my own project. Now I used a divorce coach and I used a very funny divorce coach. He was, he was married and divorced four times. And that's the reason wow. I chose him, <laughs> you know, because some of these divorce yep. coaches have never been divorced or they're therapists or they're former lawyers. And it's like, you sure. know what? 
I wanted an expert and somebody who's been divorced four times to me is an expert. And he told me, he's like, Sam, he goes, one of the things you got to do, and this is where books like yours and divorce coaches and advice blogs, you know, you need to read this stuff and sit with it because little things can make a difference. He said, you keep saying we, you keep saying my husband, you keep saying these things. He's like, I need you to take those words, those pronouns out of your speech. And I really, I wasn't even aware I was doing it. And I, it's funny because, you know, seven years later, it's now automatic. Well, that's my ex-husband or my ex-husband or the boy's dad, you know, things like that. It's natural. But at the time it felt so foreign, but there's so many little realignments, little teeny ones that can make a huge difference. And if you're not aware of it, um, I think it's, it's troublesome. And you're a person that, that makes their living on words. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. I mean, I, I know for a long time I was saying us, we're gonna, us, it's us. Yep. Yep. We'll both, both be there. Um, so those are, those were very hard to get out of. Also, I've tried to, I'm not as good at it yet, but I try to use, uh, somebody told me I went to an event last year and, uh, and she said, Hey, you know, I heard about your divorce or really sorry. And I said, Oh, and I said, have you been divorced? And she said, I have, she goes, but my former, hu- I, I don't call him my ex-husband. I call him my former husband. And I said, what? Why? And she said, I don't know. It just, I, I, I think X sounds just so mean. And I thought, well, I feel mean right now. And so, uh, <laughs> she said, well, she goes, maybe in time you'll refer to him as that. And it was, it's interesting because I have been referring to him as my former husband. You know, I, I don't, I don't have animosity. Uh, there, there are a lot, lots of reasons I could, um, but I don't, and I don't want to have it because I think it's bad for me. And, um, so anyway, I've been trying to use that word as one of my, the new words in my vocabulary I have since adopted, uh, just because maybe it just makes me feel a little bit better and not so, um, mean, you know, it just felt like X felt the, like I could see the X across the person. <laughs> so some people always have that, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I, I try to learn a little bit from everybody that I've met in this process. Well, yeah, I like to say the kid's dad, or I'll say the man I was married to. Like the man I was married to sounds so much gentler and loving to me than my ex, you know, and that's the thing, like saying recycled, like when people make a joke and they're like, oh, you know, are you married? I'm like, oh no, I'm recycled. And, you know, yeah, because it really is true, Tamsin, when you think of a recycled product, you had a product that was one thing, and then you improved it to be something else. You sure. made it into something else. So that's what, when you work through your book, you're creating something out of an old material. You're creating something out of new. So we are recycled, and we have future use, you know, because the, the whole coupledom thing that our society has set up, I remember the first time I went to the movies by myself, I was mortified. I was oh, yeah. Out. You know, like I had leprosy. You know? Right, right. No, I know, I know. I somebody asked me to go to an event, and he, and, uh, and I said he he texted me, and I he said just how how many, and I said just uh, just me, just me, and he said just one. It was it was like, what? and I went, yeah, just one. Sorry. And I remember going to the event. Like I, I made myself have a good time because I was so determined to prove to him that like just one was okay. And um, so that's what I did. And now I, I don't even think anything. I don't even think about it when I walk into some place. I don't even think about it. And I don't even think about asking for the table that seats four. Like I just don't. I'm like, this is who I am, and this is where I am, and I'm okay with it. And I really am okay with it. And when I got, I don't know. Somebody asked me the exact moment. I go, I don't know the exact moment. I just know that there was a Saturday that I walked out of my yoga class and went, oh, you know, weekends were also hard too, because then what am I going to do on the weekend? I don't want to do anything that we used to do. And um, I remember one weekend going, hey, this is my weekend and I'm okay. So that was kind of nice. Well, it comes in chunks, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. hand the mic over to Linda because I want to I want to just finish up this train of thought. When you say 30, 60, 90 days, if you're anal retentive like me, you would make a calendar and say, okay, what's going to happen on the 60th Sure. Day? Yeah. What did she uh, say is going to happen? Right. But it comes in chunks. Like all of a sudden you realize you're out having fun and you didn't think about anything sad. Or like, I remember a whole day went by and I didn't think, cause my mom died the same month I got my divorce. So it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. 
but I remember going to a barbecue and swimming and having the best time and going home, getting up the next morning, realizing I didn't cry. I didn't miss my mom. Like I miss her, but I didn't right, think about course. her. I didn't think about my, my, you know, the man I was married to. I, and, I, and it was surprising and it comes in chunks and it kind of catches you a little off guard where you're like, Oh, Oh, I'm not, I'm not that I'm not angry about that anymore. I'm right. not, upset about that it doesn't hurt anymore because it doesn't hurt forever it hurts excruciatingly in the beginning but it doesn't hurt forever and you know that's what I really yeah. wanted to say and, and you know Linda I know you've got a bunch of questions because I've been hogging the mic <laughs> no no I actually have a question for both of you and I'm feeling like a dinosaur because I've been with my husband for, for so very long and you know people ask me well if you had to, to do it over again you know would you marry the same person and I have to scratch my head and said I'm you know I am not sure because I have changed so much through the decades that I don't even think I could make a judgment like that and the things that were important to me when I first met him and then in my 30s and 40s and, and 50s even it, they've changed so much so you know i don't know i mean he's i think i've changed more than he has um but you know if i was if i was in the position of of wanting companionship at this stage of my life um i i think that my three top priorities uh would 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 definitely be very very different so i want to ask each of you because you know tamson is your divorce for two years and sandra over five you know, is there three must-haves that are, uh, you know, there's no compromise. Th these three qualities have to be in somebody that I would consider spending time with or being in a relationship with or even marrying. Oh, I think I lost you a little bit there, Linda. Uh, okay. No, of all right. So three. I just, what are your, what on your priority list of what you were looking for sure, in, sure. in a new relationship, what would, what would they be after two years? And then, Stan, I'd um, like you to answer it after five years. Yeah, I th I think that it would have to be um I I would be it would be very important that we had very similar goals because that was that was the one thing that we didn't have in the end. And they were similar goals in terms of look, in 10 years, do you want to be working full time? Do you want to be traveling the world? Do you want two children? Do you want you know what is that goal that you have right now? Even if it changes, like give me your goals. Um I think it would also have to be um somebody that that was curious and adventurous um, because I had a little more of that in me and it was very important for me to be able to fulfill that and it was very hard to to not be doing that and um, and then I also think that our financial goals would need to be the same because I think that that causes a lot of problems and people don't like to talk about it but the truth of the matter is is that uh, he was a spender a serious spender and um, and I thought that that was not a big deal since I wasn't, and it is a big deal. So um, I would have to put that in there as like my more practical notion of, you know, of what I would look for in somebody, at least their respect of money, career, finance. And you, Sam? Okay, so I'm going to say, Tamson, that <laughs> you need to make your list of 30 things you want in a mate and make it like, at the 30 day mark, make it at the 180 day mark, make it at the two year mark, make it at the five year mark. And Linda, change. you know this story <laughs> because when I first started this, I made this thing, you know how the word manifestation is like manifestation, manifest something. Well, I had a man manifestation. Oh. <laughs> so I had a manifestation list and I used to make these comprehensive lists and they were insane. They were, you know, everything under the sun that I didn't like about the man I was married to, what I needed, what I needed now, you know, and it was like, oh my God, I need to be married to like nine men to accomplish this. Sure, you know, sure. Great. I, I can tell you what they were. He's got to have faith, happy life, you know, strong intellect, love to laugh, need money, you know, just I, go on and on. Now, you know, over five years out of it, I realized that I married my husband because I wanted somebody who had common goals. I wanted someone to have kids with, I wanted someone to build a financially safe life with a house and yeah. a home. Okay. Well, I did that. So now my kids are eight and 11. So in another 10 years, they're going to be gone. They're going to be done. What I'm looking for is a person who is just for me. You know, those couples that you see and the man just oh, looks at yeah. her <laughs> and they can be a hundred years old. Like my dad, he could be eight and no one else around. 
Yep, I want that. Yeah. I want a person that's just for me. Then the second qualification is they need to make my life better. And that encompasses so much. So if they're an overspender, an overeater, if they're, you know, not taking care of themselves, if they're an angry or, you know, negative person, there's a whole bunch of things I know about myself now that make my life better. So number two would be they need to make my life better on a regular basis. That doesn't mean they need to be perfect. They don't need to be any certain thing. They just need to make my life better. And the last one that I think is so important is that they need to laugh because the process of laughing and not mocking laughing, not that superior laugh that, you know, a lot of our, our former husbands did the belly laugh, the, I can just enjoy myself because I think we live in a society where people are so focused on where they're going. They can't just be present for the moment and enjoy it. So when I look at somebody who can laugh and can just you know, let their portfolio go for a while, let their education go, let their job go, let their ex-wife go, just, mm -hmm. just let all that go for a while and sit here with me and laugh. I agree with that. I like it. You know, they're just, different. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You thought it out really well though. And I, I like that. I appreciate that. Oh, I've had five years of ruminating on this and God bless Linda. Linda's like my best therapist, you know, girlfriend. She's always asking me, you know, these things. And so Linda, I'm going to put the question back on you. What do you want? Like if you could, not that we, you know, that you're not married and have a great relationship, but if I waved a magic wand and said, okay, Linda, what are you going to pick for you today? What would it be? Well, I think uh, probably number one on my list would be someone that accepts me for me and all my flaws. You know, oh, not yes. critical, not critical. I think that that's really very important because so many people are so very critical of each other and um, that doesn't lead to good stuff. And I like what you said, San, about loving, loving, you know, it's a, sort of the loving me for me. It's, it's the same thing, just having that connection where there isn't a wall between and you have to find the cracks to, you know, when you communicate to get them through. It's, you know, they're, they're wider openings. So, you know, they actually know you and understand you and love you for, you know, for your soul, for your being, for your spirit. I, I mean, I think, I think as you get older, that becomes m more and more important. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Even, I mean, I, I think across the board, it's important too, uh, but we just don't realize it, you know, when we're 20 something and 30 something. Well, and can I just go completely off topic for a second? Because I really think it's important for women who are listening to this show to hear this. <laughs> when you date again, I have found it's really helpful to keep your personal life separate from your kid and family life. And I know there's a lot of opinions out there and there's a big opinion out there that says when you're dating and your kids are dating or they have a girlfriend, they're going to understand more. Well, I'm here to tell you that I don't find that the case. I think there's a lot of things that parents don't have to share with children. And I will tell you that my 11 year old said to me, Mom, I know you're dating X, Y, and Z. And he goes, if you bring them home, the first thing I'm going to say to them is, hi, new daddy. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you got to watch your teenagers. Like, you know, yes. I always think there's an old journalism phrase. You probably learned this too. I went to Medill at Northwestern undergrad and my professor Haney would say, if in doubt, leave it out. And 100%. When, That's so yeah, funny. When, I haven't heard it for years, but you're right. Yep, if it, or if your mother says she loves you, check it out. So those are the two, you know, big things that I live by. But if you're a parent and you have children, whether they're four, 14 or 40, if in doubt, leave it out because once it's out there, once it's on the table, you cannot take it back and you don't want to bring the home, the love of your life to meet your kids and have your smout mouth preteen go, hi, new daddy. Right, right. <laughs> horrible because you cannot control your children. I love um, that. So Tamson, I would love for you to uh, give us, I know you don't want to give one piece of advice, but you know, if you can leave our listeners today with, with the most important things that you learned, and I'm going to say from the process of writing this book, not from your divorce experience, oh, sure. but the process of writing this book, um, what would, what would they be? 
Uh, I think I learned from the process as I sat back and, and, and wrote down what did work for me. Um, the process of the book was good in that I realized uh, what that man said to me, that 365 days, it's not going to be like this. Because even in the course of writing the book, from the beginning of the book and, you know, in the middle I had a, you know, I had dated and then stopped dating that other person to writing to the end of the book, um, it, it, everything changes, you know, everything changes. And so where you are, uh, at the beginning, hopefully, if you, if you're reading it for the, you know, the reasons that I wrote it, uh, because you're going through a life change, hopefully you're not going to be in that same place, you know, by the end of reading it or by the end of the first 90 days. Excellent. Well, we've been visiting with Tamsin Fidel. The new single is her book. You can find her. You can watch her on television. You can see her on the Internet. Her name is spelled T-A-M-S-E-N, last name F-A-D-A-L. You can find her book wherever books are sold. Thank you, Tamsin. Thank you, Linda. And we'll be back again next week with more Powered Up Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com.